This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Well, I want to introduce Destiny, my daughter. Many of you know her. Some of you, this is your first time meeting her. But Destiny is a graduate of uh, Alexandra High School, and then she also attended the Technical College for her post-secondary. She received her AA degree, and then she attended St. Cloud State for a season. And she felt a ministry call at that time to attend theology training. And that landed her at church of the Highlands Bible College in Birmingham, Alabama, which actually is one of the largest churches in the United States with a weekly attendance of 53,000 people. After two years of study and practical ministry, she was one of two students in that Bible school, which had about a thousand students. She was one of two students that received a paid internship at Celebration Church in Georgetown, Texas, which pastors Joe and Lori Champion, which has over 5,000 in attendance, built a beautiful $100 million campus there in Georgetown. And then after her internship for a year, she was hired on full-time as their small groups coordinator, which oversees 200-plus small groups or something. So Destiny is over all of that and learning ministry, and uh, she has a heart for, for, for preaching and, and ministering. Uh, she had went to Peru, and uh, she was in Mardi Gras outreach. She did street evangelism there. She's been with us to Sri Lanka and preached at the youth conference with over 2,200 students that came at that time up north, and she's actually going to be going on a trip to Mozambique this March or April. So with all of that, would you please welcome my daughter, Destiny Bartolomeo. I think this is on. Hello, everybody. Um, wow, nothing like hearing the favor of God in your life when you hear that. Um I began to tear up because, you know, you forget how often God works in your life until someone just tells you. Um, but um, I've been in the South, so I do have a different tone of voice, and I'm also a little bit sick. But we're going to push through. We're going to get through. Um, so I will say y'all, and I will say <laughs> thank you. Yes. Um, but I just want to just honor my parents and just the pastors of this church um, just for allowing me to come. And um, y'all have the best pastors ever. And I'm not just saying that because they're my parents. <laughs> um you know, there, I've never met more humble people and more caring people. And okay, um, you get it, yeah. Um, and so, how many of you seen Master of Disguise? It's a very old movie. Yes, it's a great movie. Um, but as I was writing this sermon. Um, it was just like, I was like, Lord, it is just so crazy. It just might work, <laughs> you know? So, and if you haven't seen it, I encourage you, go watch it. It's very old, but it is super funny and just great. Anyway, um, so what I want to talk about is something that I'm actually in the middle of. And um, I really believe that the Lord is just has a, a word for, for you, but also it is direct, directing to me. <laughs> and so uh, know that I'm in the boat with you and I'm not 
pulling the boat. I am right in there with you. <laughs> and um, so this is just one thing that um, throughout the years that I have been working on and been been very struggling with. And so I wanted to just share with you. And this is really what the Lord kind of gave me. And he said, Destiny, I want you to speak to the dreams and the hidden visions that are in the people's hearts, to the dreams that no one has told anyone, the dreams that are so hidden they're afraid to even admit or even speak them out loud. And knowing me, I grew up in the church, grew up sitting somewhere over here, and uh, listening to my dad speak and all that kind of stuff. And um, I always had those dreams, but I always let the enemy hinder me. And I always let the enemy speak down to me and tell me that, no, that's not right. That's not okay. You can't speak that. You can't do that. And so I was reading in First Samuel, and I actually had a different message that I was going to speak that actually scared my dad. <laughs> It's kind of like a whipping <laughs> message. <laughs> That's not this message. Um, as I walked through it, it was um, the story about Hannah and how she went to the um, went to the temple. And I'm gonna just do the DBV version, the Destiny Bartolomeo Male version. And <laughs> so uh, bear with me. So in First Samuel one, this is actually you know some of it is in the message version that I kind of pulled from. But um, Hannah is the wife the wife of Elkaniah, yeah, him. He has two wives back then. It was okay. And um, he has two wives, Hannah and Penaniah. Penaniah, I describe as the devil. And um, because just in, in my situation and in my area of life, like Penaniah was my devil. And, um, and so Hannah comes, she's Hannah can't have kids. She can't have any any children, um, but Penaniah can. And Penaniah is always talking to her like, oh, you can't have kids. You can't do this. Like always in her face about it. And Hannah is so faithful that she goes to the temple. Every time she goes to the temple, she's praying. She's bringing sacrifices to the temple. And her husband always gave her extra sacrifices because he felt bad for her and he loved her. And... Um, so he always was especially generous. And this went on for year after year. Every time they went to the temple, Penaniah was looking at her with all of her children, looking at her saying, you can't have this. You can't have this. You physically can't have this. And um, this went on year after year. And all she did, she went, she gave her sacrifice to the Lord. And she said, Lord, this is it. This is all I have. And one time she's sitting there and she went and she, her husband says, why are you, why can't am I not enough for you? Am I not enough? And I, I'm, I'm not a mother, I'm not this, but I can feel that pain and I can feel that, that thing of, I've never longed for a child. Not, not yet at least, but you know, like, <laughs> calm down. Um, <laughs> so, but I've never known that feeling yet. And so, but I can feel it, like you can sense it. And then it, what it says is, she ate after her husband said, because she wasn't eating. She wasn't doing anything because she was so desperate. She was so longing for a child that she was. She just kept going, Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you. And then she says, oh, God of the angel armies, if you look, if you take a good look hard at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely, unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. And so Hannah, as she was praying, she was praying so hard and so deeply that Eli, the priest of the temple, thought she was drunk. 
he said, get out of here, woman. And But to me, and this is part of the message I was going to speak last time, Eli couldn't see the desperation that she had. And no one is ever going to see the desperation that you have on your life, only you and only God. And so this is where I kind of want to stay. But so anyway, I'm going to keep going because anyway. Okay, so and she says, no, sir, I've please. I'm a woman hard used. I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing that I've been pouring out is my heart pouring it out to God. Don't wait for a minute. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here for so long. Eli answered her, go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you've asked of him. Think well of me and pray for me, she said, and went her way. She ate heartily and her face radiantly. Before the year was out, Hannah had conceived and given birth to a son. She named him Samuel, explaining, I asked God for him. When Elkanah next took his family to the annual trip to Shiloh to worship God, offering sacrifices and keeping his vow, Hannah didn't go. She told her husband, after this child is weaned, I will bring him myself and present him before God, and that's where he'll stay for good. Elkanah said, do what you think is best. You know, typical, (laughs) sure. Stay home until you have weaned him. Yes, let God complete what he has begun. So she did. She stayed home and nursed her son until she had weaned him and then took him up to Shiloh, bringing also the makings of a generous sacrificial meal. Not only did she bring her son that God had already given her, she brought him more offerings than she had ever brought. They, they butchered the first bull. Then she brought the child to Eli. Hannah said, excuse me, sir, would you believe that I'm the very woman who is standing here a year before at this very spot praying to God. I prayed for this child and God gave me what I asked for. And now I have dedicated him to God. He dedicated, he is dedicated to God for life. And there they worshiped God. So we're just going to pray because we need Jesus as well. Um, So Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this season that we are all in. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I ask that you humble me and you, you use my words Lord, you speak through me to your people. God, I thank you for 2019. It's going to be a year of dreams and a year of visions that are answered, God. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So my story, if y'all don't know me, and I grew up in the church, grew up here, you know, kind of as my dad was speaking, um, grew up sitting over here, all this stuff. But Always knew I was supposed to be in ministry, but wanted to make money and (laughs) typical. And (laughs) so I started going to business school. But as I'm sitting here, you know, we always have like guest speakers and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting in the front row, my legs dangling as long as they could until I was tall enough to hit the floor. Um, God would show me visions of me standing up here and standing in places that I can't, I've never even seen before. But immediately I would, I would hear the voice of the enemy and I would say, no, I'm too shy. I'm too quiet. <laughs> and when you knew me as a kid, that was, that was me. I was shy and I was quiet. Now I could do some crazy stuff. <laughs> but, um, but that was me. And I, but I, for years, this started when I was young. I was probably like five years old. And I could see myself speaking, and I could see myself doing all this stuff, but, but I always let the enemy's voice be louder than my own. The enemy would always say, he would always say, you'll never be good enough to do that. 
You can't even get you can't even give a speech in your own classroom. You don't have enough to say and you have too much sin in your life. And I believed it for years. And it's still something to this day that I struggle with and I'm trying to push through because I know that the call of God on my life is strong. And I know that God has called me to do things that that most people don't have the courage to do. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but I'm saying because God's call on my life is great. And it's great on your life as well. You have to be able to see what God has on your life before you can go. And so for years, I let the enemy torment my life. And then when I moved away to Alabama, and what most of you don't know is that I had no idea what I was doing when I left. <laughs> Everyone would ask, what are you doing? And I'm a very planned to the T, to the point. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. And I just said, I don't know. <laughs> because I didn't. I just knew that I was, I was miserable in, in university school. And I was miserable working and I was miserable and everything and I was in the deepest darkest moments of my life but you would have never known you would have never known because this is destiny this is what you do in the world you pretend that this is what it is you pretend that everything's good everything's happy but deep down inside we're miserable but we don't tell anybody because no one will want to hang out with us. No one will want to be around us if that's what, if that's what we think of they think of us. And so in Alabama, in college, I started going. We had to choose what we call practicums, and it's just a track where you study. And um, I was not really wanting to do what I knew I was supposed to do. And um, so I was like, well, I'm going to just go into the kids' practicum. And... Um, just study kids. And so I called my mom. <laughs> my mom, if you call her ever, she's just going to call you out on your junk. And she's just going to be like, well, <laughs> uh, which is good. You need those people in your life. And she said, and she said, you did not choose to go to school to learn how to work in the kids department. She says, what is really, what really is God telling you to do? And I was like, I started crying. And this was like four days into school. And I was like, oh, gosh. And so I was like, I think I'm supposed to be in the lead pastor track. And I was like, but I have no desire to speak. I have no desire to do any of this. And I would speak it out loud. Like, but I don't have a desire to do that. And I knew deep down inside that I did. But I would tell myself, I would lie to my own self, and I would say, no, I don't have a desire to do that. And I would tell people that because there were no women in the lead pastor track. And in the South, that's a big deal. Not really anymore because, I mean, I don't know. But now, so, so I went into the lead pastor track, and there was two other women. So it was three of us that forged the way for all the other women. Now, if you go to the lead pastor track, it's called the pastoral leadership track, and it's 50% women. <laughs> And so, I mean, I believe that we have forged that way. But, I mean, through that, I didn't learn how to, I mean, I learned how to speak. I learned how to do all that. But three years later, I found myself working at a church, dealing with the same insecurities that I was as a child. I never addressed the issues that I was dealing with. And my enemies had followed me even though I moved. And I'm just going to say a lot of times we want to move away because life's too hard. We want to move away because we don't have enough friends. We, we want to move away because God's not using us in this season. But in reality, we have to check what's inside. What's inside of us is, is what's going to move you forward, move you away, move you to something new. And 
I never dealt with it. <laughs> and so I moved, and I didn't move because I was done. I moved because God had called me to a new season. And luckily, like, God was, God's favor was on my life, and he moved me. <laughs> um, but so, Destiny, how does Hannah can join with you? <laughs> and um, I'll tell you. And <laughs> just be patient. Um, <laughs> So that's my story. That's Hannah's story. And um, this message, I believe, is birthed out of God shaking me, (laughs) telling me now is the time. And I believe that through my honesty and my vulnerability that that God is going to speak truth to you and um, open your hearts and open your eyes to the deepest desires of your heart that maybe you've even been afraid to tell other people because it wasn't just about Thanksgiving that I told my dad that, what I just told you. That's how fearful I was of the mission and the vision that God had given me. Because without without people in my life knowing the vision, and I'm skipping ahead, but without people in my life knowing the vision and knowing the call on my life, there's no accountability. There's no accountability. There's nothing to say because what my dad called out on me is, I think that's true. And I was like, you do? Um, okay. Um, and he basically spoke into me, spoke everything that the enemy was speaking to me, but he spoke the opposite of it. And so we're going to get back to the side because I was like a couple pages in. <laughs> um, but we learned many lessons from Hannah. And number one is that Hannah was tormented but by what she didn't have. The enemy is our number one tormentor. The enemy will speak into our minds. He will speak into our souls. He will speak through people. He will speak through things because he knows that our mind is our biggest enemy. Like our mind is what destroys us. And so the enemy knows, okay, I'm going to torment them. I'm going to make their life a living hell. I don't know if I can say that, but I just did. And (laughs) so the enemy will always remind you of things that you don't have the things that you have done, and the things that you can't do. He will always speak in the language of, you'll never be good enough for that. You don't have the talent to do that. You don't fit the criteria for that. You aren't smart enough. You've messed up too many times. You can't, God can't use someone like you. And for my story, you know, paralleling that to Hannah, how the, she was tormented by Penaniah, and it says it in the Word. It says that Penaniah tormented her by what she didn't have. And so in my story, Penaniah, she's the enemy. It was Penaniah in my story, and I believe it's the same in, in, the, in the Bible. But I allowed the enemy to speak to me for years upon years upon years upon years so much so that I began to speak it, and I began to believe it. Then I thought it was my own words. <laughs> and I thought it was my own words that, were, that was speaking that. And the more I believed the lies, the, more, the further and further away I got from what God has, was calling me to do. The further and further I got in Even now, I find myself getting closer and closer to a desk, closer and closer to a computer, closer and closer to a dark room, (laughs) closer and closer away from everything that God has called me to do. And, And I believe that in your life, like the enemy is trying to pull you as far away from your calling as he can. Because the closer you are to your calling, the closer you are to God. 
The closer you are to God moving you and taking you further and bringing people alongside with you, bringing more people and more and more people alongside with you. But the further he can get you away, the more isolated he can get you, he's done his job. And you know, I understand that there's times and seasons where God prepares you for what's to come. And I firmly believe that where God has me now is a season of waiting and it is a season of, of training up. But I also believe that just because you aren't living the dream that you feel and that you see doesn't mean that you can't practice your dream now. In your season that you're in, whether it's a waiting season, whether it's a season of just, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. You can still practice your dream. And, you know, I've had things where God is just like, speak to the cat, speak to dog, speak to the trees, speak to this, speak to that. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and so for you, wherever that is, whatever your dream is, maybe it's owning your own business. You can run things like a business, even though you don't have a business. You can run things just because, like, it's, you can start now. And I feel like I'm like a get rich scheme or something like that. <laughs> Start now. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but um, don't let the enemy continue to torment you with lies. Overcome his only tactic with the word of God. You will never arrive prepared. You will never arrive prepared. Ever. <laughs> you can't just jump into the new season and be like, I'm ready. No, you're going to have to go through the mud. You're going to have to go through all this stuff. You're going to have to go through everything. You're going to have to go through hurt. You're going to have to go through pain. You're going to have to go through everything. And then you're ready. It's not just a, okay, I'm ready now. God, use me. I'm ready here. I'm ready. No. I wish it was that way, but it's not. And so we have to get good at, at sensing what seasons we're in and, and seeing where we're at because... Without, without it, we're just going to keep moving into, we're going to keep moving away to different states, to different churches, to different groups of people, because we don't feel God. Shoot. Okay. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and so, um, number two, Hannah was pitied because of what she didn't have. Her husband, Elgana, said, am I not good enough for you? Am I not enough? And you know, you're going to have people in your life when you have this calling and you have this vision and you have this dream and you have this knowing and understanding of what God has for you, you're going to have people that look at you and be like, but you could be doing so much more. Or you could be doing this. You could be doing that. Or yourself could pity you, like what happened to me. And I kept feeling sorry for myself. I was like, I keep going to all these places doing all these things, nothing. <laughs> and I was like, well, God just must not want to use me. And I believed it. <laughs> um, and so we feel sorry for ourselves and we allow other people to pity us in a sense of lie to us. Just always have, if you always have yes people around you, you're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to get it like my mom. She's not going to just tell me yes. Sure, honey, that's a great idea. No. <laughs> My dad did the same thing when I told him what I wanted to do, what I really felt God was doing. He's like, I don't want to just say, I mean, like, it's not, 
without, well, it wasn't this, it was for a different thing. <laughs> and he was like, I don't want to just tell you that you're doing great because I really believe that it's you. It's you that needs to change. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> and I was like, you're really good at this. <laughs> and he said, well, what kind of father would I be if I didn't tell you what you needed to hear? And, and I really believe that that's what God is. But we also need people in our lives that, that we allow to speak into our lives. And I realized that as I was going to school, I was surrounding myself with easy people. And by that, I mean, they followed me. <laughs> they followed me. <laughs> and I purposely did that. I didn't realize it but until now. But like, I brought people around me that were looking to me. And they weren't showing me what I needed to do. I was showing them what they needed to do. I had no one speaking into my life. No one challenging me, saying, Destiny, no, mm -mm. watch that attitude. No. No one. But I would tell it to them. Be like, hey, girl, you got to shape up. Read your Bible. Do some stuff. <laughs> but... I didn't have anybody like that in my life. And I did it because I was afraid that they would see what was inside of me and pull it out because I was afraid. And so I let the enemy speak, push me further away from God and all this kind of stuff. But I just, okay, yeah. Um, if the people around you only tell you what you want to hear, then you need new people. And I know Minnesota nice is not really a real thing. going to be honest. <laughs> what goes on in your head when you meet new people that's real, that's honest? <laughs> and um, you have to allow correction. You can't just ask for correction but never receive it. I've, I've had that happen to me. It's like, no, I really want to hear it. What do you have for me? And then they tell me, like, stupid truth. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> it just, it hurts. But it's true. Truth hurts. And so you have to have those people where it goes both ways. To where you're not just speaking into these people. It goes both ways. There's a two-way path that you're speaking in me. I'm speaking into you. If it hurts, we're going to pray a little bit. We're going to come back. And so then number three. Hannah was desperate for something that she physically couldn't have. Physically, Hannah's dreams seem impossible. I believe that it was because Hannah got so desperate in her prayer and her desperation that God kind of leaned in and says, oh, what are you doing down there? You know, and, and I believe that it was because of her desperation and her prayer and her going forth that God leaned in. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't lean in already. What I'm saying is that we need to learn how to get desperate so that we can feel the desperation. The desperation, I believe, was for Hannah. I don't believe that it was for God. She really wanted to have that. She really wanted to have this, her son. She really, Whatever it is, you really want to have a business. You really want to do something. You really have this idea. But God says, but do you really want it? And... And the desperation, I believe, for, was for Hannah. And I believe that our desperation is for ourselves of how badly do we want it? How badly are we going to fast for it? Are we going to pray for it? Are we going to give something up for it? 
And my story, this is, this is where I'm stuck, and this is where this message has come out of, because I understand now that, that God has called me and given me this vision and given me this dream to do what he has called me to do, but I haven't figured out how to get desperate enough. And dishonest. I haven't figured out. I'm like, what do I need to give up? Like, I don't understand. And so, how do you move towards something that seems impossible? Number one, ask specifically for the vision or the dream. Matthew 7 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. If you've already seen your vision, if you already understand what God has called you, ask Him for it to, be, to make it more clear. Ask him, because God will. God loves to make things clear. He loves to, to tell you more about it. And I encourage you to write it down. Write it down, put it in a place that you can see and read it every day. You know what? No, God has called me to do this because our, the voice of the enemy is going to become so much greater the moment you understand what God has called you to do. And if, if you haven't seen it, ask for it because it's there. And like I, like I had, like, I told myself that, you know, I know this is not real. This is a pizza dream. This is all this kind of stuff. Like, I just want to be in front of people, and I really don't. <laughs> and, um, and then the, when you write it down, speak it out loud. The more you speak it out loud, the more you begin to believe it. And that's just like speaking the word out loud. The more you speak out the word, it becomes more powerful because you're hearing it with your ears. It says those who hear you have to hear the voice. You have to hear your own words speaking the word of God. You have to hear the, your own words speaking your vision, your calling, and your passions out loud. Otherwise, you can read it in, in your head, but it's never as powerful when you read it out loud. And so I've told a few people the visions, and like I said, you know, I was frightened to even tell my own, my own dad, and I was frightened by man's opinion because I didn't want other people to know, because I didn't want that accountability, because what if I fail? What if I fail? What if I don't do it? And then, you know, God kind of just said, I don't care if you fail. Just try. Just try. I don't care if you're failing. I don't care. As long as you're moving forward, I don't care. As my dad says, fall, 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 gang, whatever height you are. <laughs> Six one? Six one. <laughs> I just found out this weekend I was only six foot, so that's what these are for. <laughs> um, and so I was frightened by man's opinion. And because it was such, what a shocker, because the enemy didn't want me to share the visions with anyone because I would have to be accountable. And I would have to have people in my life who'd be like, hey, this is what God has called you to do. And that. What you're doing is not that. Keeping me on course. And so number two is get desperate. Desperation means, and I love this, a state of despair, typically one that results in rash or extreme behavior. That's scary. I mean, it is like, I was trying to think of something funny and I couldn't, so there you go. <laughs> Um, Hannah was exuding true desperation, so much so that Eli thought she was drunk in the house of God. I believe that this is because this is what her desperation what, is what God was looking for. And because it's like, how many times we ask for something because we live in a world full of things that are just handed to you? Here, shut up. 
here, just be quiet. Just <laughs> take this. I don't know. I'm sorry that I said that. <laughs> but like, you know, we live in a things where things are just handed to you to keep you quiet. Things are handed to you just to be, get out of my way, you know, at the store, just take it. I don't care. <laughs> and we're handed things and it's easy to just go buy something that you want. It's easy. Oh, I want this. Okay. Let's just go buy it. Put it on the credit card. It's fine. Pay for it later. And, but God, and so I believe that this is why the God was speaking desperation is because the world now is so easy that when we, when, but then when we get in our prayer closet and we start praying and we're asking God for these things or walking into church for the first time in a month, which is fine. But then when we're in the service and we're in worship and we're saying, God, I don't understand why you're not moving in my life. I don't understand why you're not doing anything. Why do I not have any friends? Why do I not have any things? It's like, do you want it enough? And so I believe that Hannah's desperation got God's attention. Desperation looks like not quitting until you see change, holding on to the vision even in the seasons of pain, hurt, and dullness, doing things that you wouldn't normally do because you know you've been called to do it. In your season of waiting and growing, get desperate so much so that God is intrigued by what you're doing. Even the people around you are wondering, I don't know what these people are doing. They're crazy. But I can tell that they want something. And so we need to get desperate so much so that that people around us are scared. (laughs) Really. (laughs) And... So number three is give the vi- she gave the vision and dream back to God. She, once she had Samuel, she gave it back to him. And I can't imagine that. Giving my child that I had prayed for, yearned for, fasted for, everything for, and gave it back to God. Habakkuk 2, 2 to 3, it says, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it, for still the vision awaits its For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Giving things to God is a daily thing because we love to pick things back up. My uncle Yankee told me that. (laughs) And um, I was going through this season of not too long ago of just, I don't understand why can't I let it go? And he said, well, you're just picking it back up easy as that and I was like well how do you let it go put it on the altar walk away don't pick it up again and it was like he just said it jokingly and I was like dang it that's really like profound (laughs) I was like oh shoot and uh, and so you know like how often do we pick things back up you know when you're training your child don't touch the stove don't touch this how often do they just want to be like but I but I like it and you touch it. <laughs> and, or, you know, touching a toy. Don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't, whatever it is. Or whether it's when you're going on a diet. 2019 is coming around the corner. Um, <laughs> and when you're going on a diet and you see the cookies and you see all this, you say, don't touch it, 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 don't touch it. But just a little. <laughs> and you take it. <laughs> Because we love to pick things back up because we think we are the master controllers. But we are not. Even though we may be good at gaming, we may be good at all this stuff, you're not good at running your life. 
just going to slap you with that one. Um, <laughs> so that's what happened with me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, trying to get us on the same path here. <laughs> so uh, this happened to me, this happened to you. Okay, there we go. So you're not good at running your own life. So what I encourage is just... <laughs> Write it down. Write your vision down. Write it down. And after you've written it down, speak it out loud and give it to God. God, this vision is given to me by you. I give it back to you. I am fully, completely surrendered to your will for my life. When you give it to God, don't pick it back up again. After all this weight on God, God's timing does never seems like it's on our time because we like things drive through quick. And the moment you pick the vision back up into your hands, the moment you have taken a God dream, into a human hand. You will only go as far as your human mind will let you go. If you live the dream in God's hands, there is opportunity for you to excel far beyond you could ever bring yourself. So let's stop putting a, a, a glass ceiling on God and let's give it to him. Give him your vision. Give him your, your deepest, darkest desires. Not darkest, but like... <laughs> Fears, yeah. <laughs> Fears. Yeah, okay. Um, and so after this service, you know, after we're done, um, we're going to have a time of prayer up here and all this kind of stuff. But what I want to just say is, you know, we've talked a lot about dreams and visions and all this kind of stuff. And if you're here today and you've never received a dream or a vision or just a passion from God, don't be discouraged, God has desired to give you whatever you want. It says, asking you shall receive. And he put that in there for a reason. He didn't put it in there just to tease you and be like, oh, you're never going to have that, you know? And, um, but what he is saying is, he's saying, I, I want you to ask. And so ask for a vision, ask for a dream, and we'll be up here. But if you're here today and you... You've been like me, and you've believed the lies of the enemy over your life. Um, I really I want to pray. We want to, Our team wants to pray for you and really just remove anything from you. Remove the lies of the enemy and remove the, the fears that you have believed for so long. Because I really believe that 2019 for this church and for you is a year where you're going to arise. And you're going to arise to a new season. You're going to arise to a new calling on your life. But you have to get rid of it. You have to separate yourself from the, from the old. And you have to move forward. And I believe that today is going to be a turning point for a lot of people. And I really have been praying that God would just begin to give dreams and visions to people. Literal dreams when you're sleeping and you wake up and you're like, I don't know what that means. I don't understand what that means. And, but God has placed people in this church that can interpret. God has placed people in your lives that can interpret that because everyone has a different gift. Everyone has a different dream. So surround yourself with people. And I encourage you to get plugged into the church. When Hannah received her miracle, Samuel didn't stop coming. When she received Samuel, she didn't stop coming to the church. She didn't stop sacrificing. She didn't stop worshiping. She made the house of God her foundation for the rest of her life. And there are so many ways that you can make the house of God your foundation. Start the year off right with the three days of prayer and fasting. Start off small by coming to Saturday morning prayer. Start by leading a small group. Start by attending a small group. <laughs> Start by opening your home up so someone else can lead a small group. 
If you don't start somewhere, you'll never get anywhere. And it's in God's house where Samuel, Hannah's son, became the man of God he was. Out of Hannah's desperation, the lineage of Jesus was continued. Without Hannah's desperation, God would have had to find someone else. But it was because of Hannah's desperation that Jesus was born. And I believe that it's through your desperation and your trying and your pulling that something great is going to come out of your pain. Something great is going to come out of the struggle and of you walking through the mud. Something great is going to come. I think of 2019 for our church and yeah, the scripture talks about a people that delight in the Lord. And it's that word largeness. And David, he penned these words after he escaped from Saul's pursuits. And he wrote, he said, the cords of death encircle me. And the torrents of destruction terrified me. In my distress, I called on the Lord and cried for help to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry for help came to his ears. And it goes on to, to say that kind of God showing up just in the nick of time. David, he borrows this imagery from the day when God opened the Red Sea. He says, the Lord also thundered in the heavens and the Most High gave his voice. Then the channels of water appeared and the fountains of the world were discovered. And he, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. And this is the point I want us to see. He also brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Stand with me if you would, please. My heart is, is that we would be a people that delights in the Lord. A people that God is enjoying our company because we we're inviting of the Spirit of God. Amen, church? Hallelujah. Let's take a moment and pray. You're here this morning, you say, or maybe watching by television, you say, Pastor, I've, I'm not right with the Lord and what was shared here about God's purpose and vision and resounds in my heart, and I don't know what it is, but I'm not even on the right path right now, and I need to get right with God. Maybe you showed up here and you just think, I need a change. I need a change for 2019. Today is a great day. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. I just want to encourage you, you here this morning, to surrender your life to Christ. Give him whatever you have. Just, just give it to him and watch and see what he will do. If that's you, pray with me as we pray together corporately. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me dreams. Give me the vision for my life. I surrender afresh and anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.